Hi there. Thank you for joining us on this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. We believe that this message will bless your heart and enrich your walk with Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to speak. My title is The Ambidextrous Ones. All right. So if you're a Burki, maybe you don't understand the word. I'll explain it in a bit. All right, the ambidextrous ones, ambidextrous ones. And I believe that this is a word in season for us and what God wants to tell you this morning and uh, what God wants to say to you. Because we are, we are shifting, we are busy transitioning and we, we, we're going into something new that God is preparing for us. But every new season has a new demand on us as well. Come on. Every new season carries a new demand. And, and I've been saying it for a while now, but this is a season where God is going to require much of us. Where God's going to require something more than just the usual. God's going to require much of us. And maybe you're going through, who's going through something? If you're going through a thing, just, just lift your hand. Okay? All right? Most of us. There's a lot of us. And maybe you're going through a thing and, and maybe you think it's the devil doing all these things. Maybe you think that, you know, the devil is on my case and, and maybe he is, but, but maybe God is challenging you to arise to the occasion. Maybe God is allowing certain things to say, hey, it's not the devil that's just on your case. Maybe it's God in the season saying, step up, rise up to the new thing because we want to grow. Come on. We want to move further. We want to develop. You want to become strong in battle. You want to become strong. You, therefore, you need to train your muscles. Yako and I, we gym together. I don't know if you can see that yet, but <laughs> we married as well, so we, we enjoy the eating, yeah. Yako said this morning in the huddle, what happens if you respond, not respond to your wife? I said you lose weight because you don't eat then. <laughs> All right. But the thing is that every time he challenges me, he says, ah, we need to go, you know, we need to add a bit more weight. Otherwise, we're not going to grow. All right. And, and we need to do that. But God says, rise to the occasion. There's a level that He wants you to attain, that He wants you to take hold of in the season. Amen? And, 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 and I see that this is a season for us of training and discipline. We don't like the word discipline. We don't like that God disciplines us. But we cannot just do whatever we want and wherever we want and whatever we like, isn't it? One of the problems of today's culture is that we do whatever blows our hair back. That's what we want. We just like, whatever flows, that's what we're going to do. There's no submission to authority. We don't like God's authority. We feel and do what we want. And we don't like when God disciplines us. But God is our authority and God is our Father. That is who He is. And we're speaking this whole time about a new wine scheme and that God's pattern is family and that God builds family, that God is the Father, He's the house. Last week I spoke on that, what covers us. That when this house carries something, and when you're a son, when you're part of this house, then you're covered by that what surrounds the house. And not just covered, but you take part, you share in the inheritance. Because sons share in the inheritance, not the servants, not the slaves. It's the sons that shares in the inheritance. So you need to belong to something. You need to, if you don't belong yet, you need to, to tie that into your heart to say, I need to belong somewhere. Because God is a God of principles. So, so shifts will take place. Things will happen when you anchor certain principles in your life. Come on, so, so God is calling you into a season of more of Him, into the depths of His Spirit. 
And there's a greater measure for you in this season. But you need to take on that what God wants to do. Don't be stuck in an old mindset. God wants to bring the new wineskin. Come on. But then you have to receive the greater measure of that what He wants to give you. You need to be open to receive that. I think I need to hand out a prize this morning. Who can quote Psalm 127 verse 1? It's so easy. We've been doing it for five weeks now. Unless. Come on. All right. Come on. Okay. Wendy, you cannot. You, I hear when I walk in my house, she works for us. Then I'm hearing my own sermons playing back loud. <laughs> I'm so glad. Now I also get the word. Unless the Lord builds the house. Come on. Those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches. Over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. God builds our lives from the, the construct of families. And when we say we are formed to function, we function from the context of family. That's where God says that's how we function. Because we have a lot of, of people that ordain themselves and go this and I'm called for this. And they, but they don't belong to family. And God says, no, I operate from the construct and the context of family. That's how we operate. God, we must build God's designed ways and patterns. Come on. God, unless God builds, we said it for a couple of weeks now, God has got a certain way. He's got principles. That's how we build. And he says that watches over the city. Watchman is that who, who looks out for that what it, where there's, where there's an enemy coming or where there's problems arising or something wants to come and kill or steal or invade. A watchman keeps guard. And he says that, that we need to, Build and protect that what God places value on. We need to make sure that, that what God says, that we build that, that we protect that, that we value that. Amen? Now, a house is built upon a foundation. And that's why, because when we build upon the foundation, the house stands upright. I'm just laying a foundation, then I'm going to get to the ambidextrous ones. Don't worry. I'm not off track. It's part of what I need to, to give to you. So foundation keeps the house upright. And when we build, if, if we don't have a foundation, it's going to implode or collapse, isn't it? What else does a foundation do? When there's a healthy foundation, a foundation that's not cracked, that's, that's pure, that's right, and you build upon that foundation, it keeps out all the crawlers and the critters and the bugs, isn't it? It keeps them out. When you have a proper foundation, it keeps out the, the crawlers and the bugs in your life. Then you don't have stuff that comes in. And we said a wall is not just to protect you from what's outside, but also to keep you safe on the inside. So, so when you have a house that's built on a foundation, the walls and the foundation keeps those who are inside safe and protected. So that's where we belong. And we build on the right foundation. That's Ephesians 2 from verse 18 says this. Through him we both, or we all, because Paul speaks like this, me and you. So he says, we all have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you fellow citizens with the saints. And what? Members of the household, family. Build on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you are also being built together. Come on, say in Him. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. God wants to dwell among us. 
You are his dwelling place. You, where do you live? Where do you live? Okay, in him. <laughs> less, less spiritual. <laughs> you, you, you live in a house, all right? Where does God want to stay? In a house. He says, we are being built together as the dwelling place, the house where God comes and stay. So we are the dwelling place. We need to be together. Now the word says Christ is the cornerstone. All right. Then yes, we are built in him. The foundation, he says, of the church is what? Foundation of the church is apostolic and prophetic. That is the, the governmental structure of, of the church. The church is governed by the apostolic and the prophetic. That's the foundation. That's what it says. Now governance is that what covers you. Governance is that what, what protects us. Because of that governance and what he allows, that's what covers us. And what covers you, as I said, is important because oil flows from the head down, isn't it? Oil flows from, so, so, so whatever covers us, covers you. Whatever hits us, hits you. All right. If you're a son and a daughter in the house, it means that, that you are covered and you share in the inheritance. That's what God is doing. So you need to belong. If you're covered in oil, mud cannot stick. Have you realized that? When you're covered in oil, no mud can stick. Now that's the principle, Psalm 133. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. My, the word dwell means what? Live. Where do you live? In a house. All right? Live. In other words, it's not a quickly just gather some guys together that we can just all get into agreement because when we agree, that's Matthew 18, two or three more agree, then God will hear them and he will do whatever they ask because God will command the bless. That's not the thing. He says where we dwell. In other words, in a house where we can live together in unity. Not just when we want something, quickly agree. That's what I say. God requires. You've got brothers and sisters, all of us. All right. Have you realized that it's not that easy to live in peace with them? Quick, quick, quick. There's quarrels and there's things. But God says, if you're living, dwelling together in a house, I want you to dwell in unity because that's where I command the blessing. In other words, he speaks of a manner of living, a life of discipline. He speaks of how we should. He says, then if you do that, live, dwell together, then it's like the precious oil on the head. Oil flows down from the head down. Running down to the beard on the beard of Aaron. Running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Amen. So you need to be connected and you need to be covered. Governance is that what covers you. And governance is a beautiful scripture. Man, God can write a script, donkey. I love the Hebrew and the pictures and what God says. Isaiah 9 verse 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. All right, we can skip that part. He says, of his government, there will be no end. The government of him is upon his shoulders. Now, the picture for government is this. Thorns on a head. 
when I read that, it's like, before the foundation, when God developed language, he says, hey, the government, to his governance, there will be no end, but governance will come through a crown, a thorn crown on a head, through the cross. He's received the authority over everything to govern it. And he says, his governance shall be upon his shoulders. Then Colossians 1.15 describes Jesus and he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By Him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether they are kings, lords, rulers or powers, all things, say all things, have been created through Him and for Him. And He Himself existed before anything else did. He holds all things together and he is also the head of the body, which is the church, the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might have first place in everything. Christ is the head of the home, he's the head of the church, he's the head of the body, he's our foundation, what it says, but he's our head. And we are built on his foundation. There's no greater example to follow than the example of Christ, he's our governance. Now, I love this because the church is built upon what? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. In Hebrews 3, says this about Christ. So he says, Colossians, he's first before everything. He's the foundation. In him, everything is made. Everything is held together. Hebrews 3 says, then therefore, brothers, you share in the heavenly calling. Consider Jesus, the what? The apostle and high priest of our confession. He's our apostle. We are building on the foundation of Christ. The church is laid on the foundation of the apostle. Jesus, our apostle, our high priest. Look to what he says. Who was faithful to him who appointed him. Just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God, unless the Lord builds the house. Come on. God can write a script, isn't it? Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that would be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Christ, our apostle. apostle right? The church is built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophet. There's no other foundation. But this is what he says. He, Christ, was faithful to him who appointed him. Are we faithful? He gave everything. He says he was faithful to him who appointed him. The builder of the house carries more glory than the house itself. The builder of the house carries more glory. Every house is built by someone, it says, but the builder of everything is God. Is God building your life? We said, for God unless means that if you don't do this, something else is not going to happen. You have to allow God to be part of everything in your life. You have to invite Him into everything. All right. Now this house carries an apostolic and, and prophetic calling. In other words, we've got some stuff to do. Isn't it? All right. Work, strategy, implementation. 
There's work to be done. We need strategy and we need to implement that what God gives us. Amen. So, so God says we are members of the household. So the question is, are you a faithful servant or are you a son in the house? Because sons build. We build together that what God wants to build. Amen. If you want to build, it means that there's a job to do. And that's where I want to get to today, um, to the ambidextrous ones. So there's a job for you to do. So the foundation was that Christ is our foundation. We build. He's the apostle. We have to have a foundation to keep everything upright. And we need to work with God because as Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him, the question is now, are we like Moses, just a servant or are we in Christ where he says, now you are a son. And when you're a son, you partake of the inheritance. Amen. But that means sons build the house as well. Because I don't give my legacy to some other people. I give my legacy to my sons, isn't it? They continue building. So God says, are you a son? Then we need to build. But the house is not greater than the glory of the builder. He's, we are the builders, but he is the glory. Amen. So let's look at it. You know the story of Nehemiah who builds the walls of Jerusalem because they, they're in ruins and he goes back, he weeps over it and he goes back on a word of the Lord and he goes and he starts restoring ones. But what happens is he calls on ambidextrous ones. Now ambidextrous, to keep you not more in suspense for those who don't know, it means that you are equally gifted right-handed and left-handed. All right? Some of you are dominant right-hands. Who's left-handed? You see... Just one, two, three, four. Okay? It's amazing. Um, Israel was here in, in the congregation before they moved to Klerksdorp. He is Israel Tiart, left-handed. And Rudy, who's not here this morning, Tiart, also left-handed. But you spell it different. So that was quite interesting to have two Tiarts differently spelled both left-handed. It's a gift. All right? But it's a rare gift because most are right-handed, Right? Okay, so ambidextrous means equally gifted, right-handed and left-handed. You're good with both sides. You're capable of using both extremely well. And Nehemiah, what he says is that, that now while they were building the city, rebuilding the walls, because now just keep this in mind. Where are we going? Because they're building. We're building. God is giving us as an apostolic house a job to do as sons we need to build the house we need to build unless God builds the house we build in vain so we build as sons with God and that what he gives us we we have a work we have effort we have to work we have to have strategy and we need to implement that what God gives us so now there's a job required of us come on say this there's a job required of me you're preaching well Nehemiah says then, they faced mocking and scorning of the, and shame of the enemy, discouraged, threats, humiliation. Sanballat and Tobiah were Samaritans. And you know that the Jews and the Samaritans did, didn't get along. They were enemies. And, and, and so they in, in, in exile and the Samaritans are thriving in, in, in Jerusalem. And now they come back to restore. And now they're building and Sanballat and Tobiah, Samaritans, are raising up an army to go and attack the work so that they prevent it. They cannot build the walls on the temple. And Nehemiah, as a, as a servant leader, this is what he tells the workers. He says, I instruct everyone 
to build. And the way we build, trowel in one hand, sword in the other. That's a trowel, ne? Truffle, trowel. Okay. Just make sure that I give you the full truth. That's, he says, that's how we're going to build trowel in one hand, sword in the other, because the enemy comes to attack and destroy what God wants to do. So what he's asking for is, I'm asking for ambidextrous workers. You're not natural. They weren't naturally born that way. This is what you need to understand. They were not born that way. That is a season that required much of them. It's a season that required them to become ambidextrous because of the situation. And, and you are in seasons and you are in situations, isn't it? And I believe that God says in this season, He's requiring of us to become ambidextrous. To become equally gifted right and left-handed. That you cannot just depend on the one gift that God has given you. But God says, I want to develop other sides of you in this season. That there's more to you than what you think. That God wants to come and, and just show you you've got. It was not a natural thing. They had to adapt. Come on, you said you're in a tough spot. Maybe God says, rise up to the, to the standard, rise up to the occasion. Maybe God says, I want you to develop. I don't want you to rebuke the devil more. I want you to grow up. I want you to stand up and develop the other side that you can be equally gifted. It could be men, they mend the walls, but they duel. They had to alternate and adapt between the tool and the sword. Because this is what happens, all right? Some were experts at the trowel, some were experts at the sword, but each one had to carry a trowel and each one had to carry a sword. Maybe you strongly gifted one, but God says, yes, you need to do both in the season. Let's just see what, what happens. So, so after the enemy comes and attacks and attacks and attacks and, and, and then he gives a strategy and he says, this is the thing, hey? Work, strategy, implementation. And he says, this is what we do from that, Nehemiah 4.16, from that day on, Half of my servants worked on the construction and half held spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. And those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So you've got a couple of guys and leaders who are standing and watching out. They're looking for the enemy. And the others, while they're looking out, when they're keeping watch, they're building. Ready, sword in one hand, trial in the other hand. And it says, and so we labored at the work. Half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. Also, I said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that there may be a guard for us by night and my labor by day. What does that sound like? You don't stop. Work by day, guard by night. Work by day, guard by night. And he says this, neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. They never stopped. That was a season for them to do what God required of them. They had something in mind to restore the glory of Jerusalem. To restore the glory of God. To restore that what He's given them. And He says, this season required of us to do more than what... We, they had no comfort. They had to push through and do things that were required of them. 
And I want to tell you, you're going to have to push through in this year now until the end and do things that you're going to think, hey, I don't know if I've got the strength. God says you have to push through and push through and push through. I think you can put back the background music. Thank you. God's calling us in the season to be ambidextrous. God says that you've got something to be skillful in more than just one aspect of your life. So often we only do what we're good at, isn't it? And we don't want to go to the other places. But God wants you to develop the other side, the part that's to, to be equally strong and capable of doing things at this season. Not just one side. He has more for us. He has for us to stand and build, but to stand and fight. And God makes you skillful. I want to tell you that this is not of your nature. It's not your own doing. It's what God's going to do in you. God has made us to be ambidextrous. And prophetically what I just saw is God seeing that, that you will be able to alternate between sides. When the enemy comes this side, you can drop the, the tool and you can fight. And when suddenly that's done, you need to work, you can just swap. And it's an effortless transition the whole time. You can alternate. Because sometimes we try things and, and it's too much effort and it tires us. But I want to declare over you prophetically that God says, in this season, you will be able to alternate between things effortlessly. That you will be able to transition from one and shift to the other without pain. He says, those who labor in vain, that labor in vain means a pain that causes grief, a labor. He says, no, when you're building my way, I will cause over you to transition and shift between things effortlessly. I declare that over you. What we do is we're building God's place. So it's work, strategy, and implementation. That's an apostolic mandate. There's a group of ancient archers that belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. We're almost done. Don't worry. And they were ambidextrous. And their ambidextrous ability says this. It's, it sounds like maybe a Marvel movie or, you know, some, some of that superheroes. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 12, it says this, verse 2. All of them, all of them were expert archers. And they could shoot arrows and sling stones with left hand as well as their right and they were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. So it says that all of them were experts at archers, slingshots, throwing stones, left and right side. David, when David had to flee, he started, started gathering his band of, of men. It says about 30 of his men were ambidextrous. They were trained. They wouldn't miss like a hair breath. They won't miss something. Left and right hand. It's so skillful they were. And, and it's safe to say the Benjamites were not born this way because about 1% of population is born this way. Left, ambidextrous. About just 1% in the world. In other words, this is nurture over nature. This was not a natural gift. It was a hard-earned skill set. They had to earn this. They had to practice and work for it. And there were several, King Saul was a Benjamite. The Apostle Paul was a Benjamite. Right? Esther's cousin Mordecai was a Benjamite. So there's a lot of heroes from the Benjamite tribes. But one that I'm going to focus on and then we're going to end off is the, the Benjamite Ehud. Ehud. All right? And Ehud delivered Israel with his left hand. 
He was not ambidextrous. He was left-handed. But this is where it was born. He comes and, and Israel again is in a time of sin and they under oppression and they, they're in a cycle, stuck in a cycle. And, and now the sin continues and Israel is under a king, Eglon. Eglon, king of Moab. And he comes and he takes control of the promised land. So Eglon, if you think of Lord of the Rings and all these things, then you can understand we, they get all their names and stuff, isn't it? Sounds like almost that. Eglon, king of Moab, comes and takes control. And, and, and Eglon, or Moab, king of Moab, Moab was a relative of Israelites. He was, he was born from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his eldest daughter, Moab. Alright, so it was born in sin. And it speaks, Moab speaks of this, it speaks of, of, of a profession. Profession in the sense of you profess something or you admit or you acknowledge something to be inwardly that you're not. That's what Moab means. Is you're actually saying something that you are inwardly not. Outwardly you're professing something. Inwardly you're not that. You're lying. That's what the name means. So, so they're in a place where Eglon, king of Moab, is there and he controls them. He takes a hold of the promise. The promised land and his name means that outwardly professing something which you are inwardly you are not and physically they were connected because it comes from a bloodline but spiritually they were not connected they share not the, the connection in, in fact he was an enemy of God Moab so because of an incestuous relationship we were blood relatives but we were not connected in the spirit the enemies so there's an outward confession of something which you inwardly not. And then Eglon, king of Moab, comes now and he warns us. Eglon means this. His name, the root word means circle. It means to go around and around and around through all the motions but never getting there. Who of you feel like that? Where you go around and you go but you never ever get anywhere. And he says that there's an outward, that's what the enemy does. There's an outward profession the whole time. And it's telling you stuff that you are not. Outwardly it says something which you are inwardly not. And, and it keeps on telling you, but it, it keeps you connected because the enemy wants to connect you and keep you connected to that cycle of same old, same old, circling, going around, never getting anywhere in your life. But God wants to break that. And the way to break it is to be ambidextrous. To take up the other side. Not just to, to depend on your one skill, but to come and become equally yoked or weighted with what God gives you in the season. That's how you're going to break that cycle. There's deliverance. God's going to give you the new wineskin. Come on. Say ambidextrous. I'm really about done. And then we're going to pray. It says in Judges, when the Israelites now in this place, cycle, circle, circle, cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ehud, son of Gerah, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. And why? Let's just read Judges 3, what happens? Judges 3 verse 16 to, 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 to 22, it says, And Ehud made himself a sword of two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it into his right thigh under his clothes. How many of you are left-handed? All right, four. Us four, no more. 
Can I get a, can I get five? Can I get five? Can I get five? One more? Okay. So, so just get the picture. If we are going to split now in half and say this half is going to fight with this half. Most of us are going to fight what? Right-handed because, so it's only three that side, one this side, it's left-handed. All right. But if I come and I fight him and he's a left-handed, come and, all right, he's left-handed, I'm right-handed. So usually we, we do it that way around, ne? But now he's got a, he's, he's different. All right. So, so I cannot because now it's my, my dumb side. All right. So we fight like this. So he's got actually a, a, a different posture than what we used to fight with. All right. Thank you. And it says that he, he bound his sword to his right side because everyone is right, isn't it? And he presented the, tri- the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. And he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And the king commanded, and he said, Silence. And his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat. And Ehud reached out with his left hand took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. So there's guards in the palace. But because you usually right-sided, you will draw from your left. So they check and say, okay, no weapon. He hides because he's left-handed. He's, he's hiding his weapon on the right side. They don't look at it because most of us are right-handed so they look and they say okay you clean and he goes in he goes back and he says i've got a word and he draws from his right side and he pushed that that blade into his belly you see there's a type of warfare for us as new testament believers that we're going to encounter and engage in he made for him a double-edged sword to pierce what does the bible say the word of god is alive and active and is sharper than a double-edged sword Dividing it penetrates, dividing soul and spirit. Ephesians 6, take up the sword of the spirit. There's a weapon that God gives you in this season to be able to fight, to able to, to do things. Come on, to stand and have victory. So Ayutz, he was not ambidextrous, left-handed, but his, his left hand became the signature story. From the tribe of Benjamin, they were cultivating their weak hand skills to honor him. Because he delivered them as a judge. He delivered them from the oppression of the king. And then they realized, hey, there's something in this. There's something in this. So they started training and become left hand as good as right hand. That when they engage the enemy in the battlefield, they can alternate. And they can go into this tactic and they can swap. And they can fight from this side and they confuse them. Because we train in one way. So it's muscle memory. I'm used to this. But now they suddenly adapt and you... You caught off God. And that's how they got. So, so the tribe of Benjamites were skilled specifically for this. And now they come. So, so he didn't just deliver one nation. He inspired a generation of Benjamites. That was birthed. Deliver one nation but inspired generations because it became the signature story of being ambidextrous. God wants you at your greatest point of giftedness. 
He gave you the gift. Come on. But God wants you in the season at your greatest point of weakness as well. Because he says in your weakness, his power is made perfect. In your weakness, you will become strong. We're going to end off two scriptures. Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but, the God is, but, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Come on, let's just stand together. Let's just stand. God wants to shift something this morning in your hearts. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. There where you stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes and just focus. Just listen to what I'm saying. But God made you skillful to be ambidextrous in this season. And as I said, but I, I want to say it again. God is giving you the ability to alternate between gifts, to alternate between building and fighting, to have the strength and the capability to alternate between what requires of you in the season. Whatever puts a demand on you that you say, I don't have the strength. God says, no, rise up to the occasion. That he says that it's not just maybe a natural gift, but in this season, he releases an anointing over you to be trained, to become ambidextrous, to say, whatever is my strength, I can use it. Whatever is my weakness, I can use it. To be able to adapt whatever is required of you. And prophetic right release that God is releasing over you and making you capable to transition between things smoothly. When the trumpet sounds and the enemy is there, they had to put down the gear and they had to take up the sword and fight. And every time when there's a sound, you can shift. When the battle is done, you can shift. You are ambidextrous ones. God empowers you today. Come on. When you have the faith to step out, God will make your weakness powerful. God will make your weakness powerful. Just stand quickly that God fill you up. And that you say, Lord, if you hunger and desire this thing, if you say, Lord, in this season, I respond and I, I feel this, the word, that you say, Lord, here I am. That I'm going to take up, I'm going to step up to the occasion. I'm going to step up to that what you require of me. And I'm going to train myself. I'm going to allow you to lead me, Holy Spirit, and train me so that I equally gift it. That I am ambidextrous. That what I do is not just for today, but it's for generations. The fight you're fighting is not just for today, it's for that what you're about to take hold of. The fight you're fighting now is not just for now, it's for that what is to come. You're dispossessing and, and, and you're taking the head of the dragon. You have to fight. But sometimes we fight for what we see now instead of the generations and that what is to come as well. And God says, come on, I gift you the ability to work, but to have strategy, to be able to implement that what I give you. There's an anointing over your life to do that. And you need to respond back and say, yes, Lord. 
I'll do that. Here I am. Train me. Training is hard work. It means it's going to be a season of no comfort. Season of no comfort. A season that's going to demand of you. Like, like Nehemiah. They didn't take off their clothes. They were ready day and night. Working, building. Making turns to watch and keep guard. Until it was restored. Until breakthrough happened. God says in the season, no comfort. But I give you the ability and the power to do that. Until breakthrough comes. I give you the ability and the strength to become equally gifted, to be ambidextrous. So take that. Father, I pray that you'll just release something in the spirit over us today. And we receive that gift in fullness in Jesus' name. And if you agree, give God glory and praise Him. Amen. Amen. We're done. I just one more thing. So you, you're welcome to sit down quickly again. If we can just have that one slide up. We want to invite you. God's moving and taking something uh, or taking us somewhere. Amen. All right. So we want to invite each and every one of you, the whole congregation. If there's friends, you want to bring a buddy, you can even do that. All right. But we've got a big reveal on Thursday, 17 August, a Thursday evening, 7 o'clock, we'll have some food, bread and soup. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. So if we have to get you here with food, that's fine. Then you come for that. All right. But come. We'll, we'll prepare. We'll speak. We'll, we'll speak to the cells and we'll just have a time of family and fellowship. But don't miss this evening. Don't miss what God's doing. God's been shifting us. Something has been coming and we're telling you for a long time, it's coming, it's coming, there's something coming, something is up. And now we can finally trust you and we can tell you, no, no. God has brought such big releases and so many things. And we cannot wait for the next season and the next step. So write this down, we'll share it on the groups, we'll share it on the, on the church WhatsApp group and the communication. But don't miss this evening, all right? If you, if you want to miss something, then there's 9th of August, all right? That's, a, that's Women's Day. You can miss that day. It's fine. All right. <laughs> we'll arrange another day that you can be off. But don't miss this. We want to invite you. Come on. And, and if you see friends and family that's supposed to be here, that's part of this church, that's not here today, you tell them, don't miss out. Come Thursday, 17 August, and come hear what it's all about. Amen. Where is God taking us? What's God about to do? And who of you can feel a shift in your spirit already in, in this last couple of weeks? But God, in your life, what God has been doing. Can you testify? Okay. And you're going to see even more of that. More of that. We're going to see God's glory being poured out in this place. We're going to be different and changed forever. So invite everyone. But we want to just formally from our side invite you as family, as the church, as, as the body. We want to invite you to come. Thursday, 17 August. Amen. We're going to have worship. That's usually our band practice night, so we'll, we'll, we'll be ready. And we're going to worship, we're going to fellowship, and we're going to share that what God gives us. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. 
If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit our website at lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function, so let's build.